Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Hi, and welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. In this episode, I'll continue my series with Bob Lowry, and we're going to talk about saltwater generators. Bob Lowry is going to go over some information regarding the saltwater generators and some cautions and some of the pros and cons of having a saltwater generator. Bob Lowry is one of the premier chemistry experts in the industry. He also teaches a certified residential course, which is completely online right now. And you can learn more about this course or the upcoming courses that are offered by Bob at pcti.online. Again, that's pcti.online. But let's jump in here and talk about saltwater generators. Pool Service Pro, open a Leslie's Wholesale account today and receive wholesale pricing on products you use every day. Leslie's Pool Supply offers convenient locations that are open 7 days a week. Another great benefit of opening a Leslie's Wholesale account is Leslie's Referral Program. Get referred to a customer looking for weekly pool service. Save time and money and grow your pool service route and become a Leslie's Pro. Um, but let's talk a little bit about saltwater generators now. And these are something that's that's really been a big a big thing since the big three started making them, you know, Jan, uh, Fluidra, I should say, Penter and Hayward. Once they discovered that these things were selling, they started making their own saltwater generators and then they're advertising them um, in different ways, many different ways they advertise them. But I think one way that I've seen advertised is that this is a chlorine alternative and that's one kind of marketing um, technique. But a saltwater generator basically generates chlorine. As you mentioned, you call them chlorine generators, right? Yeah, you know, the one of the things that I hear all the time, um, even back in the 90s, I heard about it. We have a salt pool. We don't use chlorine. And I really almost shudder every time I hear somebody say that because they don't really understand what they bought. And the simple matter, the simple fact of the matter is, if you have a salt pool, you put salt in the water, and that little chlorine generator, that little cell, it, it applies electricity to the water that's going through it. And there's salt in the water and the chloride in the water changes into chlorine. And the chlorine dissolves in the water. And it's the same thing as if you poured some liquid chlorine in or put some dry chlorine in the pool. Chlorine is chlorine. So, uh, if you have a salt pool, you're using chlorine. And if you don't believe it, just get a chlorine test kit and see how much chlorine's in your pool. And I, think, I think also, Bob, what's funny is when you look at the manual, which no one actually looks at it, I don't think anymore, but in yeah. there, the manufacturers say that if you run this generator for 24 hours, it's going to produce 1.2 pounds of chlorine. It actually says in the manual that it is making chlorine. So yeah. I think that, that's kind of funny. Yes. So it, it does, it will if you do that. If you run it, of course, 24 hours at, at 100%, it won't last very long. Yeah. Um, because the life expectancy of a salt generator is strictly based on how many hours it runs. And so the longer it runs, the shorter the life. And um, so the shorter we can run it, the better. It'll last longer. So 
A chlorine generator, actually, you put the salt in the water and uh, you have to put in the amount that the manufacturer claims that the, or recommends. And they usually recommend between 3,000 and 3,500 parts per million of salt. And that in a typical pool is about 400 or maybe 425 pounds of salt. So you put that in the pool and then turn on the generator and it starts making chlorine. It, and you, the, the only setting really on it is what percent of time it is on. And uh, you just set it on a percentage that will maintain the amount of chlorine that you want in the pool. But you can, you can help things along uh, by using less chlorine. By using less chlorine, you can put borate in the pool and you won't need as much chlorine because the borate's preventing the algae. So you can turn it down. The, when you turn it down, you're not gonna be making as much uh, sodium hydroxide and you're not gonna be making as much turbulence and aeration, so the pH isn't gonna go up so much. It also isn't gonna be uh, making any scale on the, on the electrodes that are inside there, on the plates that, or cells that are in there, uh, it's not gonna be creating uh, deposits on them. These devices are, they are a great thing, but you must understand that, that you are uh, putting salt in your pool. Uh, while it's not the same thing as the ocean, the ocean is about 35,000 parts per million of salt. The pool is about 3,500 parts per million of salt. So it's only one-tenth of the ocean. And the amount of salt is actually equal to almost the salt that's in your, your tears and your eyes anyway. So it, it, it doesn't burn your eyes or anything else. It can feel a little bit, a little bit different than regular water. Um, so it can have a different feel to it. So you can open your eyes underwater and so on. But the things that you need to think about are that the saltwater chlorine generator, uh, the salt that's in the pool, they say that it's not a very strong solution of salt. And they're right. But what happens is the water that gets spliced out of the pool onto the deck, the furniture, the slides, the water features, whatever, when that water evaporates, it sits there on there and it evaporates. When it evaporates, it leaves behind salt. And regardless of who you are, salt is corrosive. And it's not corrosive when it's only 3,000 parts per million, but it is, it is corrosive when it's 100% salt. So you need to think about that and it may require some more maintenance on your part. And that is, if you've got a bunch of kids getting in and out of the pool, it's gonna leave salt on your deck. You may wanna rinse off your decks. You may wanna rinse off your furniture. You may wanna even rinse off some waterfalls or stuff so that you don't have salt left on them because it's eventually gonna leave deposits and the deposits are gonna become crystallized and then they're gonna be hard to remove. And I think so it's important need- to note also, Bob, that um, if you add the amount of salt above their recommendation, um, which happens a lot in the industry because um, a pool guy may come to a salt water 
system that's not working and he'll just think, well, it says low salt, so I got to add more salt. That's right. And it may raise it to five or six thousand, and then that becomes corrosive. Yes, and so it becomes even more corrosive, but the the unit doesn't function very well when it gets too much salt either. Um, too much salt's not a good thing, and too little salt's not a, a good thing either. If there's too little salt, it doesn't make as much chlorine, so it takes longer to make it. But when you get too much, it actually can start to cause problems with the fact that you've got metal submerged in an ionic solution. Mm -hmm. and, and that's another thing that you need to be thinking about is that, that a pool with 3,500 parts per million of salt plus the TDS that's already in the pool, which means that all of those things together could be maybe 5,000 parts per million, you actually have created a low voltage battery in your pool. Your whole pool is a low voltage battery. And, and that means that you need to bond and ground all of your electrical components in and around the pool. They need to be grounded. And, and by grounded, what you do is you take a copper wire and run it to each piece of equipment and then run it to a stake in the ground. So it's grounded. And you can get galvanic corrosion in a pool that's not properly grounded. And you can see what looks like a black deposit that starts around the light rings or around the ladder or around any of the metal parts in the pool. You'll see some black deposits. And that's usually a, a metal that used to be someplace else because uh, lower uh, activity uh, metals gravitate towards higher noble metals. That deposit that, that uh, is around the light ring perhaps used to be part of your heater. <laughs> yeah, but, I know that uh, the heater parts definitely will take some hit from the saltwater generators, uh, particularly if you have a pentair heater, the thermal regulator will corrode quickly in there. And Raypack has a new heater out where they have a, a special, I don't know what they have, like a, an anode in there, so it keeps that corrosion from saltwater yeah, pools out of there. It's called a, a sacrificial anode. And that's uh, some pools need that. And it's just actually a little round zinc ball. And zinc is one of the lower, uh, lower metals as far as nobility goes. And you put it in and it will sacrifice itself so that the other metals don't. So it's a way of protecting the other metals in the pool by putting a, an anode in your pool. So um, that's a possibility. But you really need to be grounding the pool equipment. And, and then also, uh, I was going to ask you too, um, you know, a lot of times the customer will have a saltwater generator and then they'll just turn it off because it's not working. Um, what would be the side effect then of taking over a pool that has, you know, TDS of 5,000 at that point now that the saltwater generator is off? You know, you still have the problem with corrosion depending on, on how you're going to chlorinate it, whether you're going to use tabs or liquid or whatever you may uh, you may be creating some problems and i think if you're not going to leave the pool if you're not going to 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 revive the chlorine generator or replace it then i think i would probably drain uh i don't know 75 percent of the pool and fill it back up and get rid of all of that salt because you still have the same problems that i discussed with 
grounding and corrosion and and leaving salt on the in and around the pool, you still have all of those problems, and and yet you're not generating any chlorine. So, and I would also make sure that you remove the device. Don't let the water keep running through there. Remove it. Hmm. I think the best thing to do would be to drain drain most of the water and refill it uh, to get rid of most of that salt because all that salt is something you don't need and you don't need that high TDS either. So um, I would get rid of it. One of the things with a working chlorine generator that you need to check is that most of the chlorine generators come with a salt meter, but who knows how the salt meter is calibrated. And so what I would do is I would use your own salt meter, not TDS meter, a salt meter, measure the salt level in the pool, and then check the, the onboard salt meter with, with the chlorine generator and see if it's got the proper reading. And I've had a number of guys that have called me up and said, I don't understand, man. You know, I, my salt meter on the, on the chlorine generator says I got enough salt. And I go, what's the salt level in your pool with a, a, a salt meter? And they find out that they've only got 2,000 parts per million of salt in the pool. Yeah, it's a very common problem where the system reading is not gonna is not accurate for different reasons. I know with uh, certain brands, like for instance the Hayward Aquarite system, if this if the cell gets um, calcium buildup on there, that system will read a false low level. And also when the salt cell is dying near the end of its lifespan, yeah. it'll read a low salt level. And that's where that where the technician will keep adding salt to the pool. Based right. on that. So you need to be checking that with a good salt meter. And don't just use a TDS meter. Get a salt meter. Or get a, a meter that reads both uh, so that you can switch back and forth. Some other things that you may want to do, if possible, I don't know how the electronics are. Um, frankly, I've not kept up with some of the, the intelligent stuff that's out there, smart stuff. Um, but you want to turn the chlorine generator off before the water flow stops. And the reason is that the chlorine generator actually gets hot, but when it's running at 40 or 50 or 80 gallons a minute of water through it, it's cooling itself off. But if it just shuts down the water flow and the generator at the same time, the generator is still hot. And the water that is in the generator warms up. And the warmer the water, the more the calcium comes out. So if you want to prevent the flakes, you want to turn off the generator five or 10 minutes before the water flow stops. And with the electronics that there are today, you should be able to do that. Um, yeah, it's very easy to do with the variable speed pump because yeah. the salt generators will stop at any speed under 1800. Right. And so one trick that you can do is set the high speed program and then right after that have the low speed come on and that'll give you that kind of cooling off period. Right. Uh, and and that's one of the big reasons that we see flakes in the pool. Guy can say everything's right in my pool. I come on getting the flakes. And the reason is that you're almost boiling the water that's in the in the chlorine generator. And when the water gets really hot like that, the calcium comes out and it sticks to the plates. And then when you when you turn it on, some of the flakes come off, 
But when it reverses polarity, more of the flakes come off and you keep getting flakes in the pool. And that's the reason. The other thing that you can do with a saltwater pool is to keep a slightly negative uh, saturation index. So if you're doing the saturation index or LSI, instead of keeping it slightly positive, keep it slightly negative, and that'll keep uh, that'll limit the amount of, of scale that you could form on the generator. That's good. And what about phosphates affecting um, the saltwater system? I've heard a lot of a lot of um, talk about high phosphates causing some of that those flakes in the pool. Yeah, you know, I've got a, I've been asked that a lot, and my usual answer is, it's phosphates are not a problem. They say, well, aren't the, aren't the flakes calcium phosphate? And my answer is, no, um, they're not. Um, the reason that they're not is, I want you to think about mathematics for a minute. Um, when we say there is a high level of phosphate in the pool, we say that the level is like 1,500 or 2,000 parts, parts per billion of phosphate. But you realize, of course, that uh, it takes 1,000 parts per billion to make one part per million. So even though you've, you've got a reading that you think is high and is 2,000 parts per billion of phosphate in the water, it's only two parts per million. How much could you precipitate out of the pool if it's only one part per million in the pool? So it's probably not calcium. It's not calcium phosphate that's coming out of there. It's calcium carbonate. Because what, what do you got calcium carbonate? You got 400 parts per million of calcium carbonate in calcium hardness. So it's calcium carbonate. It's not calcium phosphate. And so the way to solve that would be to make sure the generator has a cooling off period. That's right. Make sure it has a cooling off period. Um, years ago, maybe you remember it, we used to call it a, a fireman's switch on a on a heater, mm -hmm. and it turned the heater off a little a little while before the water water flow turned off to cool the heater down to cool the heater in or down. Yeah, yeah, those still are around definitely for that reason because you don't want that to be on when the pool's off, uh, when the pool turns off. You want a cooling down period. But um, great information on saltwater generators there. I think you've touched on areas that no one really looks at. Um, beyond the uh, the typical sales uh, marketing sheet, so well, one of the things that. that you also want to think about, and this doesn't, this has to do with with any device you're going to put on the pool, whether it's a chlorine generator, ozonator, UV, whatever. Remember a couple of things. One is that these devices only put out a fixed amount of chlorine. They are not bather or user uh, generated or it's not on demand. So it doesn't know that you put 20 people in there. So it puts out a fixed amount of something. And if you exceed that, then you have some time of no protection in the pool. And that is really important. Thing that we are trying to prevent in the pool is bather to bather transmission of disease. And if there's no residual in the water, there's nothing to keep me from infecting you and you to be infecting me. If there's a residual, when you let bacteria into the water, it kills it. 
it doesn't get to me. But if there's no residual, then there's nothing to protect bather to bather transmission of disease. So with a device, you can exceed what's it's what's in the water, and then there's a recovery time where there's no protection until it recovers. And how long is that recovery time? So you need to think about that when you're planning to take care of a pool. If you put a chlorine generator on there, and it's one of their pools where every weekend they get 10 kids in the pool, you've got a period of time where there's no chlorine in that pool. Yeah, and I think one of the misnomers is that when you have the superchlorinate mode on the saltwater generator, it's not producing more chlorine. It's just running at 100% output. It's running at 100% for a little longer time. And that's not superchlorination. Superchlorination is when you go out and put five parts per million of, the, of chlorine in the pool in 30 seconds. Yeah, I think maybe it's they need to change. It's not five parts per million of the pool in, in the next three hours. And I think it's they probably to they have to change that on the devices because it kind of gives people the false um, safety or false idea that by flipping the switch to superchlorinate, the generator is actually producing more than it actually can. Yeah, they, they, the old way they used to say it was boost. Yeah. And all it did was boost it to, to 100% for two hours or something like that. Yeah, so I think I think that's uh, something that you have to keep in mind with a saltwater generator is if you have a pool party, you maybe need to supplement it with liquid chlorine after the party or during or before, yeah. um, especially if the pool is exhibiting signs of combined chlorine. Well, you know, even if you get a big rain, you know, in some areas, you know, in Florida where they get, they can get, you know, an inch an hour of rain or something like that. If you get, you know, a few hours of rain in your pool, you're not going to have any chlorine left in your pool. Yeah. Yeah. So true. It's not, it's not, it's not something that you can just set and forget about it. You have to really test the chlorine level, just like a regular, it, any other regular pool. It doesn't react to bather load. It doesn't dispense based on beta load. So it's not an on-demand device. Yeah, I've had a saltwater generator in my pool since I had it built in 2000, or since I had the pool here. Um, and so I think I like them because for me, it's, I'm the kind of person that doesn't have a lot of time to go out there and add chlorine to the pool. And I also like the fact that I'm not using any stabilized chlorine in my pool. So for those reasons, I think for me, I like it because of the fact that it's an easy way to add chlorine to the pool. But it's not one of those things in my head where it's like, set it and forget it. You have to maintain it, make sure it's running, make sure the salt level is correct. And also the things you talked about, that it doesn't compensate for bather load or for the fact that maybe running out, you know, due to the rainwater in the pool. So all very important factors. Well, I think also one of the things that a service tech can do is is try to partner with the with the homeowner a little bit and say, listen, you know, if you had an unexpected event where, you know, somebody dropped in some fertilizer or the guy washed off the deck and washed off the deck into the pool or, you know, you had 20 kids over the weekend, you didn't plan on it. If they will let you know that something has happened, it's a whole lot easier for you to take care of and just instead of just testing the water and go, what the hell happened to the chlorine? Everything was fine, man. I come out here and I got zero chlorine and three parts per million of combined chlorine. What am I going to do? You know, and so if you have a little communication with the homeowner, you know, either in advance, which would be great, uh, but even not in advance, um, at least right after it, 
if they could leave you a note or something and say, listen, we had a pool party or somebody dumped a bottle of champagne in the pool or something, you know, at least you'd know what, you know, if you go there, you find four chairs in the pool, you know, what are you going to do? You know, but um, if they can communicate with you a little bit, it'll make it easier for you to take care of the pool. Yeah, definitely. We'll have to record some podcasts on other things. I think you, you sparked some thinking in my head, but I think, you know, dogs in the pool. Um, one of the guys asked me about filter cleaning and the effect on water chemistry and how often you should clean the filter. So we'll, we can address all of that in the future recording. Yeah, well, thanks for your time with these recordings. I think um, they've been very informative, and I'll definitely make sure that the listeners know where to find your certified residential course also. Yeah, you know, it, it all helps. They, you know, instead of getting little bits and pieces, they can come to a class and get it all in one place. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate that, Bob. All right, David, I enjoyed it. Thanks very yeah. much. So I know there was a lot of information there about saltwater generators, and you can, of course, go back and re-listen to it to get kind of the finer details out of it. And I thank Bob Lowry again for doing these recordings. I think, you know, coming from someone who has his background, you really learn a lot. We may not agree with everything, but I think we agree with more things than we disagree with. And I think that's kind of the common ground that we need to be in the industry to move forward. Um, we can't get a consensus on everything. And just like anything, politics, religion, you're going to have differences. But I think the core beliefs in the industry are all the same. We just have a little bit of differences here and there. And I really like the opportunity I get to interview Bob Lowry and let him just talk about his background and his expertise in the industry. And from his perspective, I think you're going to glean a lot of great information. And if you're looking for other episodes in the series, go to my website, swimmingforlearning.com. Click on the banner. On, on the banner, you're going to see a podcast icon. Click on that, and that'll take you to the previous episodes I recorded with him. On that same banner is a link to my coaching program. If you're interested in that, you can click on that link also. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a great rest of your week, and God bless. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Real quick, if you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at getskimmer backslash pool guy. Again, that's getskimmer backslash pool guy. Skimmer, everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app.